I'll continue sitting in a natural way. Allowing the body to be supported by the floor or the chair. And if there's any obvious tensions, <coughs> places that are being held, it's allowing those to relax. And if the body can't relax, then be aware of that. How is it in this moment? In the body, in general, feeling. Remembering that noticing doesn't take a lot of energy. Our job is to remember what is happening in the moment. Experiences are coming and going due to their own conditions. And we're discovering the nature in this moment. Feelings in the body pleasant and unpleasant. You might be connecting with the breath, noticing the in-breath or the out-breath. Or at times the awareness recognizes Hearing sounds being known. Whatever is obvious in this moment to you. Our work is not to interfere or to control. We allow the nature to unfold 
and we check the mind. Is the mind aware? Am I able to know something? And when we're cultivating are these moments of remembering that the mind is knowing some experience. And as we grow in awareness, it becomes clear that there is something being known and that the mind is knowing. Do you know what it is you're knowing? Do you know that you know? as much as we need to, or as little, we check the mind. Is the mind aware? And how is it being aware? Is it receptive, open? Or is there attention, struggle, wanting or liking, calm or peace, trying to get rid of unpleasant experiences? This is the attitude of the mind. And we can know this as well. We don't need to go looking, searching for anything in particular, but at times the attitude becomes clear and it may be revealed through a sense of struggle, tension, even a subtle agenda, preferring one experience over another. This is the discovery that we make. 
the preferencing mind. This is greed and aversion at work. We want to get to know these. Allow these to be our teachers. And these too are habits of mind. learning how to settle back. Allow the nature of experiences to unfold. And growing this quality of being aware. And the tendency of the mind is to focus, to burrow in or get involved in the experience. We forget to check the mind. And we leave aside the knowing. So we want to know both. There's the experience and it's being known. What does it feel like to be aware? And we can use those moments after a period of being lost And the mindfulness awareness arises again. What does that change feel like when awareness is present? Appreciating this ability to know. We don't need to worry about what it is we're knowing. Unpleasant maybe anxieties and tensions, aches and pains, appreciating the ability to be aware.
each time we return to knowing is another opportunity to familiarize the mind with the experience of awareness. Oh, this is what it's like to be aware. This receptive, open, knowing function. There's no need to control. No need to get what we want. We're watching to learn about habits of mind, of reacting, resisting, judging. Just habits of mind.
Is the mind aware? What is it aware of? Knowing that it's enough to be aware, to recognize.
when there's right view in the mind, we remember that experiences are just happening. We see experiences arising lawfully. This is what's happening. Thoughts are nature. Sounds happen when the conditions are there. It's the nature of the body to have painful or pleasant experiences. It's also the nature of the mind to resist, to push against. Unpleasant experiences, this is a habit of aversion. The habit of craving, wants, needs something. So we get familiar with these habits of mind. But we rest simply allowing experiences to, to happen. Remembering to check the mind. If awareness is present, nothing to do. Allow the awareness to do its own work.
Good morning. It's nice to see you again. For those of you that are newer to retreats, we often say that the third day is the hardest day. (laughs) And the second day and the fourth day. (laughs) Well, the reason is, to me, in my mind, is because the awareness is getting established and starting to allow in, you know, more of what's present and that momentum is still going and there can be, uh, in a way, a mismatch of what's presenting as objects, as experience, and the awareness and wisdom aren't quite strong enough with momentum sometimes to meet what's there. And it can feel like dukkha, a lot of suffering can come up on somewhere in the middle days. Um, So don't worry. I just want to say a couple of things about practice and how to keep it really simple. I remember with um, my main teacher, Saido Tejaniya, being in the monastery with him, and people would really come and ask him all the time, what do I do now? What do I do next? And I think, I don't know, he either got tired of the question or this is, was like his real answer that he wanted to share, but he wanted to make it really simple for uh, meditators. And he'd say, just do these three things. You know, and say, okay, three is relatively easy to remember. So one was to check uh, right view. Is right view in the mind? And right view, to remind you, is to really see experience as an experience, as something that is a natural arising. So changing the lens from this is what I'm experiencing to something that is being experienced, being known. Right, so let's say we're caught in a difficult mood and without, a, without right view in the mind, we're just struggling with the mood. And then when we bring in that, that reminder, oh, this is a mood, there's a way of settling back, being able to observe that experience. So right view, then be aware, step two. And then step three is more or less repeat. I think is, was the third step. And I, I've been kind of changing the third step. To me, I really wanted to add, to check to see if the mind feels balanced. And a lot of times in our practice, it's like if the body starts to get really frozen and the attention is drawn to the same object and is really glommed onto that thing. So if there's a lot of particular ache or pain in the body, either physical or emotional, anxiety, depression, and the attention gets locked onto it, oftentimes that object or experience is too much for the mind at that moment to learn anything because it's in a state of struggle. So that's when we say check the mind and look at the attitude, really see, am I, am I able to observe this phenomenon right now in a way that I can understand something about it? I can see that it's changing. I can see that it's here presently arising. So if we have that kind of perspective, then I'm understanding something. But if the mind is just gripped into the object, the experience, and it feels stuck and really frozen, we can stay really in that place for years and years. And there's some parts in my own experience that have been like that for me. And I've had to really learn how to back up, open the attention, move to something that's pleasant, 
or really, really bring my attention to the attitude, how I'm watching this object. So not focusing on the object, much more watching how I'm relating to it. And then sometimes my attitude starts to shift and that can be very revealing in terms of how something appears to the mind is dependent on how we're relating to it, right? And that's, that's what we're discovering again and again. And just as these days unfold a little bit, put, I'd, I'd say really to put a lot of emphasis on, this, on the continuity of practice, right? And the way continuity happens isn't having this idea of taking awareness and kind of stretching it out across the whole day and making it continuous, which is going to feel impossible. But if we think about it as small moments, right? Small moments many times. And if we do that, and what I was trying to say last night uh, was with, if we're using right effort, we really feel the accessibility of being aware. It isn't hard, but the habits of mind is we forget. That's all. Then when we've given you the, the kind of instruction, you know, of if your eyes are open right now, are you aware that you're seeing? Right? And unless you are attending to that particular experience, we probably were not aware that we're seeing, but then if I say, are you aware that you're seeing? And I, we all have sight here, so feel that you're aware now that you're seeing? Give me a little, yeah, okay. And if you're not, say no. Anyone, anyone feel like they're not able to sense this being aware of seeing? That takes courage to say, but not quite sure? Okay, so close your eyes. All right. Are you able to see right now? Okay, now open your eyes and just recognize that you're able to see. And close your eyes. Yeah, then open again. So just playing with that, like when the eyes are closed, we can't see anything, right? And then we open the eyes and we don't have to focus on what it is we're seeing. Just the fact that we have sight is being mindful of seeing. So the way I like to think of seeing and it's such a valuable thing if we're able to see and we have sight, if we're sighted, all day long we're looking around and seeing. And a lot of data is coming through the eyes. And we make a lot of judgments, a lot of assessments. If we're not being mindful of seeing, we're being unmindful of sight, right? obviously. But basically when we're being unmindful of anything, that will be accompanied with some form of delusion. We don't know things as they are. So very simply, by remembering that we're seeing, we'll grow awareness at that door and we have a chance for wisdom to, to be there as well. We remember, oh, seeing. And then we might feel an emotion that whatever we're watching, if it's something really nice, we, we're more in touch with how we're, we're feeling noticing the body sensations. But when we're not mindful of seeing, it's just conceptual reality takes over. We label things, stories, thoughts, and before we know it, we're just caught into the whole process. So very light reminder, 
in any sense door, like seeing or hearing throughout the day, reaching, moving the body, ordinary moments. And this is how the habit of mind of awareness gets stronger and stronger. Habit of awareness. Okay. We have some few minutes for any questions that come to mind. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't just hearing, it was a lot more to it. Mm. Any comment on yeah, it? Could. it and it was all across the board. Right? right, yeah, so this yogi was mentioning um, having heard a bird while walking yesterday, but the bird wasn't in sight, and noticing that there wasn't just the hearing of the bird, there was the recognition, maybe the mind's interpreting, oh, that's a bird, and um, whatever else. Maybe there was an image in the mind, or just a, how far direction. This is, this is the awareness working. We start to see how much the mind is doing. And that one function of the mind is to perceive, categorize, you know, and so that's just a function. It's a natural function. We, in, we, have an understanding of reality. And if some perception connects to that understanding, we get an image in the mind. We hear a sound of a bird, right? And we go, oh, bird. There was a time when I was sitting in the hall in Burma and there were some people working outside. And there was a sound of like a saw. And I wasn't totally sure if there was people working outside or if it was a person behind me meditating and snoring, because it was very, like, almost really exactly the same. And I was like, oh, it's fascinating. And it was really hot outside and the workers were working hard. And we were being luxurious yogis, being fed, you know, and getting to just practice. So when my mind interpreted it as a yogi behind me snoring, guess what my mind was doing, right? Furious, you know, it's getting angry. It's like, how could this yogi be snoring, kind of wasting time while these people are working outside in the hot sun? But then I was like, oh no, it's someone. And I was like, I didn't want to look because I was starting to get interested in this. I was like, oh no, it's actually someone working outside. And then when I thought it was someone working outside, the mind was extremely compassionate. And I thought, oh, <laughs> they're working, you know, and I wasn't bothered by the sound. And literally for that entire sitting, every time the mind was sure it was the snorer, I was getting irritated. Same sound, right? Exactly the same sound. So this is how we can see our view of something changes. With our view saying it's bad and wrong, irritated. Same sound, right? But if I wasn't being aware, I would have been just reacting out either one of those. But but that's what awareness begins to reveal is how much activity is naturally going on. So this is, we don't, we're not stopping the process of perception, but we, we recognize it, recognize, oh, the mind is, make, is having a perception. Perception is natural. We need, we need to perceive clearly, you know, in some basic way, when we have sight, there's just these pixels of color and form and shape. And 
But if we didn't make sense of it, you know, we'd all try and, like we'd be walking into the wall, trying to get out of the hall. So we need to have that clarity of the mind. And the more, the more that we know, we actually can see this function. This is a little bit more refined awareness, but we start to see the mind making sense of the world moment after moment. And it's interesting sometimes if you've ever seen something in a reflection or a magazine and you can't quite land on the image what it is, the mind is quickly trying to make sense of it. That's perception working. What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? You know, but we, we normally look around and we can make sense of shapes and forms and, and we have a sense. We, we don't realize that perception is working in sight, in sound, in feelings. There was a recent experience I was just remembering. I was holding the hand of my partner and visually for a moment, I hadn't, I wasn't sure which hand was which because there were three, there were three hands together, two of hers and one of mine. And it was shocking to me that suddenly my whole system went into a state of like uncertainty because I, we normally know exactly where our body is. I remember hearing like a story once of an astronaut, you know, no, I, I think the arm, when they were sleeping, the arm kind of floated up and then, you know, woke up and, you know, <laughs> got like totally s- scared and, and sort of, you know, t- just shared a little bit about that, how that experience felt. And, you know, the, the we always are having these, these uh, perceptions that are operating, so... Experiencing this practice has been feeling very um, cool to me, and I haven't felt kind of an invitation mm-hmm. to open my heart. Mm-hmm. So that I'm very aware of my thoughts. I'm quite aware of sensations, and even <laughs> my awareness this morning that when I was hearing someone scraping the cereal bowl and starting to get mm-hmm. it. I thought, well, that, you know, if that was like a tapping or ringing, you know, that kind of awareness, which is what I think you were just talking about. But nothing is, again, sort of inviting me to um, feel feelings apart from sensations. And so I don't know whether probably I'm missing something or whether this is meant to be a complementary Mm-hmm. to something like metta. Right, so just I'll try and summarize. Um, comment is just noticing how Steve and I had used the word compassion a little bit in the last day or so, um, love. Um, but, but having a sense of this practice feels a little bit cooler than um, maybe you're familiar with in terms of metta practices that are directly bring up these feelings of metta. This is a common question. I think oftentimes as this practice starts out, it can feel and be interpreted as kind of almost a little dry or wisdom-based or intellectual. 
when I, when I used to ask Sidal about this, and he said with his own teacher, he said, when you really understand mindfulness, you really understand what its quality is, you'll feel the love in it. Right? That there is a sense that mindfulness, and this is why when we say developing this attitude that receives, it, it truly takes in to the heart, to, to the mind, and meets things very intimately, exactly as they are. And that is one way that metta, in my own practice, got very strong, which was really understanding how am I meeting this? And there's times when my metta practice would almost override a deeper lesson that I needed to see, which was actually I was having aversion to my aversion, but replacing it or covering it over with this good feeling of loving kindness. But actually to really have loving kindness would mean to meet the aversive state with metta and mindfulness, right? And they really do come together. Right attitude of mindfulness is to, to acknowledge, to feel, to experience. Then whatever is present, if there's sadness, longing, irritation, it is being fully open to, right? As a direct experience, a direct knowing, that has that sense, you know, we can say, you know, sometimes some people use the phrase of loving awareness, loving awareness. It kind of reminds the mind, awareness isn't just some totally detached, cold thing. It's actually very sensitive, very receptive, non-judging, Right? And that, that is where a place, you know, and these qualities, there's no like hard line between these, these qualities of mind. And the Buddha named a lot of qualities in order for the mind to kind of get a grasp of them. But they really do kind of come together as a, as a kind of a, a weave or a fabric of the mind. Okay. Yeah, thanks for your question. Okay, we need to stop here. Um, almost at that time. Okay, so um, we have uh, books that oftentimes we offer on this style of retreat because it's, we're giving a certain flavor that can be a little different. So this book is called Dhamma Everywhere, and we have um, a certain number of them. We're going to put out about 30 or so that are going to be reference books. And you'll see that we're going to put them by the bulletin board? Under Under the bulletin board. So they'll be for your use to read for, let's say, a walking period or two, however long, you know, a couple hours, but not to bring back to your room for the entire day. Just to keep that in mind, you can uh, reference it. and I think we're asking that you read it in your room. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Lounging not lounging around. So in your room. Um, take in a little bit. If it's helpful, read a little bit. If it's not, put it down. And uh, just use it as a, an extra support for more, uh, just more guidance. Yeah, and Steve is saying that this is this is an unusual offer 
to be able to read on retreat. <laughs> but read mindfully, right? Learn to read mindfully. We're going to get, you know, we'll have so many times that we're reading. And I remember when I discovered how to read mindfully, it was such a gift to include awareness in reading, include awareness in whatever activities we're doing, showering, washing the hands, going through doors, putting on shoes. I just want to make sure I hear yeah. you correctly. So, so read them for a while and bring them back so other people can read Yes, them. yeah. Let's say an hour, two hours. That's I mean, if, I don't mean read it for two hours. If you want to have the book for two hours, <laughs> read it for a little bit. Yeah. Read it for five minutes, Carol's saying. That's all you need. <laughs> Okay. All right. Great. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.